Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We got Solomon Wilcots with the SiriusXM NFL radio host. Does a tremendous job covering the NFL. And he joins us right here on The Fan. Solomon, what's going on, man? How are things in your world? Hey, man, keeping busy and uh, good to be on with you guys today. Hey, who is the most interesting team in the draft? Based on their position, their need, what they might do wheeling and dealing-wise, who is the team at the top of the list in your eyes, entertainment value-wise? I really do think it's the team uh, at the top of the board because I think there's going to be some movement, right? Chicago Bears sitting there with the first overall pick. I think it's been forever, maybe like 40 years, uh, maybe even longer since the Bears have had the first overall pick in the draft. Um, But, look, they don't really need the quarterback. And typically – you want that very special player. If you're going to use the first overall pick in the draft, better be that special player. Now, we thought it might be Jalen Carter, right, the defensive lineman, uh, given Matt Eberflus and his love for defense. We thought it might be Jalen Carter out of Georgia. But um, in light of uh, his recent arrest and the charges for reckless driving and racing, um, now we're, we're not sure. So that brings it with it, I think, a great deal more intrigue as to what could happen. They could stay there at one and take Carter, or they could trade down to look to get more picks and maybe take a defensive player, um, given that they're not going to take a quarterback. And I think they're trying to bluff with other teams to maybe think that maybe, okay, we might take a quarterback, we might not. Or maybe I think there may be several teams who would like to move to that number one position where the Bears are to get the quarterback of their choice. Man, Solomon, you think about the tough questions that these teams are facing where you just alluded to it with the Bears. Do we stick at number one overall and go with Jalen Carter? Do we trade down? You look at the Colts here in Indianapolis. They need a quarterback. Do you move up to number one overall and get a guy? Who is your guy? Do you stay pat at number four? There are really tough questions for some of these teams. Which team do you think is facing the toughest question draft-wise? I really think it's going to be the Colts. I, because you and I both know the Colts have to net a quarterback. They, they've, <laughs> they've had eight different quarterbacks over the last five years. They've taken the veteran route of, saying, okay, we're quarterback away, let's get that one veteran. But now it's clear they want to draft one, right? But what do you think Houston's going to do at number two? They're going to take a quarterback. If, if the, Maybe the Cardinals at three won't take a quarterback, but if there's another team that does want a quarterback, figuring they got to jump ahead of the Colts to get to number three, if you're the Colts, do you sit at four and risk that happening, and now you get – maybe the third best quarterback on the board where you could have moved up aggressively and got the number one quarterback on the board. So I, I think if you're the coach, you got to sit there and do your evaluation in terms of how you, how you like these guys. And is any of them worthy enough to be the first player taken in the, uh, you know, taken in the draft. And now you got to figure out 
how do I get to that number one spot? And be good for sale, because it really is. Hmm. Uh, good stuff, Solomon. Hey, Solomon, it's Vince. Uh, talk uh, combine for a moment. Stroud, Levis, Richardson, they're all throwing this weekend. Young is not. Uh, what are the pros and cons of not just the quarterback position, but various positions, whatever position you happen to play, in regards to working out at the combine and showing your stuff versus waiting on your pro day? What are the pros and cons to that? Well, I think for most of the quarterbacks, the, there's I, from everything that I've said, I've heard anyway, and talking with many of these quarterbacks, the, there's a huge con in throwing at the combine. Why? Because you're throwing to guys you're not familiar with. The timing of the passing game is very intricate, very important. So in order for you to look your best, what have you waited till your pro day and you got a bunch of guys you've been sort of – practicing with their guys that attend your school uh their guys that are still playing still have eligibility left but they're going to be out there on pro day uh and you're going to be thrown with it the quarterbacks that i've always seen have had the best workouts throwing the football have been guys who've done it at pro day and not necessarily at the combine even the best of them have waited to throw at their you know while on campus in very familiar surroundings so that's really the one. Now, the, the one con to that of waiting is, say, your Will Levis. Is all 32 teams going to come out to Lexington to watch Will Levis throw? Maybe not. I know they all show up at Ohio State, right? They all show up at Alabama, right? So if you're Will Levis, you might want to throw here. So I think those are the things you kind of have to weigh. Well, and Stroud and Levis and Richardson, I mean, they'll all have their pro days as well. So why do you think they're throwing at the Combine? Well, and, and maybe because, look, you feel good today. You want to wait and have a chance where maybe you're not feeling tip-top. You feel good. You want to you want to showcase your talents and be competitive and compete side-by-side side to those guys. Look, I think if you're, if, you're, if you're Stroud, if you're Levis, you got to tell yourself, I got a chance to be the first overall pick in the draft. Yeah, I, I like do it. Everything I can, I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen, right? Yeah, I like you that like mindset. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I do too. He's Solomon Wilcox joining us here on The Fan. What's the non-quarterback, non-Jalen Carter storyline you're most interested regarding the draft? I I think what you're going to find is that as much as the data analytics and the analysts have wanted to downgrade running backs, I think you're going to find that we might more than one running back going the first round this year. And you remember Najee Harris, people were ripping the Steelers for taking him in the first round. And But at the, I think when you get to the bottom of the first round, for teams like, um, say, Buffalo, or even a team like the Bengals, because they have to decide if they're going to, you know, uh, restructure or release a Joe Mixon, who's set to count $12.7 million against the cap. Well, since you're taking, what, drafting at 28, do you take a running back late in the first round? Because what that does, it gives you a fifth-year option on that player, right? Much in the same way that uh, we've seen the Giants do with Saquon Barkley. And then you can use the franchise tag. If you do, you get to keep that running back up to six years and then maybe let them go, but you don't have to give them necessarily a second contract. 
And and you've got some really good running backs in this year's draft class. I mean, above average, starting with B. John Robinson from Texas. So uh, you got it's very rich with tight ends. Um, you got as many as four that could, could go in the first round, and you got as many as four quarterbacks that could go in the first round. So I think that's something to pay attention to. What's the storyline, if there is one, that you're a little tired of right now? Any fatigue going on with you, Solomon? No, no. Look, you know, I think the quarterback stuff is interesting this year because we actually have the players. Last year, at this time, I was suffering from the kind of fatigue that suggested that Malik Willis was going to be a first-round pick. (laughs) All of these guys were going to be a first. And I knew Kenny Pickett was the only guy. I said, there's only one quarterback with a first-round grade. I'm sorry. And, you know, what happens is we kind of use the quarterback position to sell our draft coverage. But it's one of those years last year when it was all being manufactured. This year we actually have four legitimate guys. So that's fun. I'm I'm enjoying it this year. Last year, I, I don't know that I could have said the same thing at least the first week into the process. Solomon Wilcox is with us. You know, Solomon, uh, Shane Steichen in his press conference when talking about looking for one of those quarterbacks, he said he has to have the it factor. In your mind, what does the it factor look like? I, I, I think that's a very good question, by the way. And I think it's multiples, but more importantly, it's all the stuff from the neck up, right? It's, it's the poise under pressure. Like, how do you know, all of them can throw it? You know, maybe some can run, maybe some can't. But Tom Brady can't run. He turns out to be the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, right? Um, some guys have strong arms. You remember Jeff George had one of the most beautiful arms, but didn't have the poise under pressure. Some guys can run it, uh, but maybe um, can't read the progression. The it factor is what you saw from Pat Mahomes in the second half of the Super Bowl mm. where they score on all four possessions. Mm-hmm. And he takes and he, he throws only one incompletion in the second half of the game, even though they were down by 10 at halftime to the Eagles. Um, poise under pressure in the it factor is Joe Burrow playing against the number one seed Tennessee Titans, and he gets sacked nine times, and he keeps getting back up, slinging it, and goes on the road and beat the Titans, go on the road the next week and and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. But nobody's telling you that Joe Burrow has the strongest arm. No one's telling you that he can run like Michael Vick or, you know, run the RPO game. That guy just finds a way to win. You see? Yeah, is there one of those quarterbacks that – one of the top four quarterbacks that's most mentioned that you see that in more than the others? Bryce Young, he's got it. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you he's small, but those are the people who are – Hoping the Colts and other teams pass on him because he falls down the trap board, they'll be the ones taking him. <laughs> you know? So no, this guy knows how to win games. Um, C.J. Stroud showed us something, I think, in the and um, in, in uh, the semifinal game. Yeah, against Georgia. He, wow. Yeah. Yeah, against Georgia. He he showed me something in that game. Now he so look. Those are those are the two guys for me. Um, because the poise, the having played in the big games, and just understanding how to win and being coached by the right people. But I, for me, I still think Bryce Young is the, is the player. If I'm a miss, I'm going to miss on a guy like that. If I, I mean, if I have to. But 
he's he checks so many boxes that this height, weight, speed thing need not apply. You know, I need some Solomon's wisdom right here. That's your Twitter handle, Solomon, at Solomon's Wisdom. If you are the Colts GM, what would you do? Would you move up to one to try to get Bryce Young? Would you move up to two and maybe look at a guy like C.J. Stroud? Would you stick at four and maybe have an eye on Levis or Richardson? What would you do? I think either way, you got to get to one. Listen, first of all, you don't. I guarantee you Jim Irsay knows that. The best two quarterbacks he's ever had, he got in the number one slot. And Peyton Manning and, and, and of course, um, Andrew Luck. Even if he thinks, think about it like this. Say he gets to three. He's not going to get one of the top two quarterbacks. So another team could move up to one because you know Houston's taking a quarterback, right? So you, you got to get – if you want the guy you want, you got to get to one. And even if if you got to three, you could end up not getting the one of the two that you are high on. Say if you're high on Stroud and, and Bryce Young. If you get to three, you still could miss out on both of them, which means you should have just stayed at four. So hmm. to me, you got to get to you got to get to one to just ensure yourself you're gonna get the guy that you want. And guess what, man? Worst things have happened. You miss them. Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna miss miss by swinging big. Yeah, you get can't. The guy, you want. Yeah, the the, guy the, you want. the problem is though in this in this game, right? You can't miss. At number one. I mean, if you do, you're going to be looking for another job somewhere else. So that's going to be. Hey, I want to talk to you real quick about uh, as a former player, I thought it was interesting, the NFL player survey that went out in the categories for all the different teams and in uh, regards to uh, the things that the players judged the franchises on. Um, treatment of families. I want you to tell me which one is most important as a player in your mind. Treatment of families, food service at the complex, the weight room, Strength coaches, training room, training staff, locker room, or team travel. Which of those would be most important to Solomon Wilcott's the player? The treatment of families is first and foremost for me. And now treatment of families also, is, it, it includes travel. For instance, I can recall when I was with the Pittsburgh Steelers and we were traveling to play in Spain. Uh, all, they, let, they wanted all the wives to come. And by seniority, you sat to the most forward part of the plane, meaning the longer you were in the league, you were in first class. Do you know who sat to the very back of the plane? The owners and the coaches. Hmm. That's interesting. Because the Colts, you know, one of the that's one of the areas that the Colts took an F on in in regards to their grade because they don't offer first class seats to the players and I, I found that interesting so it's uh, it's curious I'm curious that uh, you know that you said that in regards to how important that is uh, was to you as a player hey man think of a guy like Quentin Nelson you think he gonna sit in one of them rear seats you know how small those seats are <laughs> back I mean that guy that guy I mean first class seat probably feels like an average seat to him but my goodness, <laughs> I played with Anthony Munoz, and I remember sitting and watching he and Max Montoya sit in these little bitty seats, and after a game, they're just hurting, and I'm like, this ain't right, man. 
There ain't no way these guys should be sitting in these kind in these seats. No, no way. The thing that surprised. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say the thing that surprised me. I mean, obviously everybody can't sit in a first class seat because you have a limited number. But I would still think some of the players, some of the key guys, the veterans, etc., should get the first class seat. But what blew me away is that some teams, and the Colts included, in in some instances, make players room together that not every player gets his own room. And that just blew me away because I can't imagine being in a room with a guy that snores and I got to play an NFL game the next day and I got to check, you know, Juju Schuster, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, and I can't get a good night's sleep, you know, or I got to <laughs> I gotta deal with Patrick Mahomes and I can't get a good night's sleep because my roomie is snoring over here. I, I just I found that unfathomable. See, and everybody thinks us players are spoiled. You think we're overtreated. Look, I covered Major League Baseball. I played in the NFL. I covered Major League. Major League Baseball guys get the best treatment ever. Trust me. NBA guys get it pretty good, too, because they fly private jets. But NFL guys, yeah, you got a room with a guy in training camp. You got a room with a guy on the road uh, for away games. Now, I remember playing when I was at the Vikings. They were great. They would allow you to pay for the upgrade to to have a room by yourself if you were willing to pay the difference. So they offered you room with a roommate, but if you were willing to play the difference, you were allowed to get your own room. And I, I thought that was very fair. Hey, Solomon, you're the man. Really appreciate the time today. Hope to catch you down the road sometime soon. Great conversation. Wish you guys the best of luck. Take care. Thank you. There he is. Solomon Wilcox, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The voice of the Pacers on the television side, Chris Denary, joins us. How's the world treating you, Chris, in San Antonio? Uh, weather has been uh, very hot and humid here. It, it, it reached 90 while we've been here. It's wow. been crazy. I know it's. I know it's been really nice up uh, in Indianapolis. Talking to my wife a little bit earlier, um, and and so we are. We were supposed to spend the night after the game here, but we're now. We just got word we're going to fly after the game because we go to Chicago. And, you know, with the, the snow and the, the cold and the ice, I, I think it, they were looking at tomorrow might be a, a poor travel day. So we're going to travel after the game and, and uh, get to Chicago and then play the Bulls on Sunday. So take us through uh, the logistics of that, Chris, and how what happens after a game. So take us through from when the game ends till you get on the plane to travel yet that night. What happens in between? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll go back to uh, we were in Dallas on Tuesday, and so you know we knew we were flying after the game. So uh, it was a 7:30 game here uh, in the Central Time Zone. Game ended about 10, 
Um, you know, you do your media. We have our post-game show. Um, I help out digital and get some interviews in the locker room. And, you know, we're told there are three buses, and the last bus is going to leave at 11. So you make sure you're out and ready to go. And at 11 o'clock, you roll uh, to the airport. You know, by the time you get to the airport, you know, it's 1130, 1145. Uh, you you got to go. You know, some of us have to go through security. Um, you know, that you're selected and you, you've got to have your ID, all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, you get on the plane and then, you know, that plane probably took off between 12 and 1230. And it was about a 55 minute flight to San Antonio. So you're getting in to, you know, about 130 and then you've got buses at the airport and you get on the bus and they head to the hotel and then we get our rooms and, by the time I got settled, I think Tuesday night, and, and I like to get my computer set up, my printer, I sort of like to have everything set, and then I go to bed. It was probably about 2.45 in the morning, I think, um, by the time that happened. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you, you get used to it. I had not traveled for two years. I think people know that we had done the games remotely, uh, the road games the last two years. So, uh, you know, back in October when we traveled for the first time and had a seven-game road trip and a five-game road trip, that was a real jolt to the system. But, um, you know, it's, it's great to be back on a regular schedule, um, you know, being around the team, being around the coaches. Uh, I, I mean, that's so important when you're the voice of a team. And I've really enjoyed being around this group. And, uh, you know, you're around them on buses at 2.30 in the morning. Um, and, and so that's just the life of uh, doing what we do. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, we, ta- we had Solomon Wilcots on just a few minutes ago talking kind of about that NFLPA uh, survey that had gone out, uh, you know, inter- uh, surveying the players about so- certain elements of their franchise and, and the travel was one of them and, and how some players didn't get first class and some organizations they were able to sit first class, et cetera. What does the, uh, what, is there any hierarchy on the Pacers team plane when you travel in regards to where you sit? Well, the, the NBA, uh, the NBA and Delta, I think have a, there are 11 planes that uh, work with 29 NBA teams. They work with the NHL, they work with MLB. And so all of our seats are first class. Uh, it's a charter. Um, the players sit up in the front of the plane. The coaches uh, are in the middle, and there are, like, tables there that, you know, they can get on their computer and work and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, staff, uh, you know, radio, TV, athletic trainers, um, security. Um, there are there are times that we will fly with corporate partners that will go on our plane with us. Uh, we had just a few weeks ago, we had, like, seven or eight moms uh, it was the mom trip where, you know, the players get to take their moms. So uh, I really – the Pacers do a great job in, in how we travel. And uh, uh, in a, like I said, having not traveled for two years, you had to get back into that rhythm. But, um, you know, it's just something about – you know, the way we do it too is with our buses now, it's not just staff and, and, and players. I mean, after the game, I might be on the bus with Tyrese or – miles and you know they're watching the highlights of the game and they're asking you questions uh it's just really cool to to be able to have that relationship with those guys because when you're the voice of a team you've got to build that trust right because you know you're calling their games and they've got family and friends and all these people watching the game so 
it's just really helpful to have, you know, a relationship. Now, most of these guys, I mean, all of my boys are older than all of the players on our team. So it's not like you're best buddies with them, but there's a respect level that you gain. And I think you gain a lot of that by being around them. You know, it was a long dry spell for the Pacers to win a game on the road. Now they've won two in a row. What have they done specifically in these last two games that was lacking in that long road losing streak? Yeah, I think one of the things that they've done, and it really started the the final game before the All-Star break when they came back and rallied to beat Chicago. I just think they've been better offensively. You know, a lot of people always point to defense. you got to be better defensively. Uh, but this team has has shot the ball really well. I think getting Tyrese Halliburton back, you know, he had missed 10 games. And even though when he came back, uh, you know, it takes a while to, to, to get back into a rhythm. And, you know, that was an 11-game road losing streak. You're right. And a number of those games they had a chance to win and they didn't. Um, I think they got a lot of confidence from how they played a week ago against Boston when they lost in overtime at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. They were playing a, a team similar last Saturday in Orlando, who's very young but has a lot of terrific talent. And, and they really pretty much led that one start to finish. And then Tuesday, uh, they didn't blink when, when Dallas made those runs with Doncic and Kyrie Irving uh, in an atmosphere that felt like a playoff game, 20,000 people. Um, you know, they made the plays down the stretch that they, that they needed to. So I think it's just a confidence level that they've regained. Uh, I think they're playing more like the team that played in December and early January when they were 23 and 18 and sixth in the East. They lost that when Tyrese got hurt. Um, they struggled a little bit when he came back. But, you know, at, at this point, what we've seen here uh, in recent history, they, they bounced back and played pretty well. What would you say about the Riverwalk, Chris? Is it legit, overrated? How would you deem it? No, Riverwalk is fine. We, we uh, Jeremiah Johnson, Ken Softman, and I, and, and Vince, uh, those are two Ball State Cardinal uh, alums. Uh, we sat on the Riverwalk and, and had some chips and salsa and a nice beverage last night. So I like it. I mean, I, I hadn't been here for two years, so I had to get out and experience the Riverwalk. So it was good. Pacers at full strength tonight. I saw Halliburton maybe a little bit of a calf strain. Does he play this evening? I, you know, I would think he would play. I mean, you, you've always got to list those guys. Uh, they had a practice yesterday at uh, Trinity University, a Division three school here in San Antonio. And, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. He's on the injured list, but um, as far as questionable, but I would, I would estimate or guess that he would play. But again, we won't find out, you know, for another few hours or so. He was on the show yesterday uh, around this time that um, we got word of uh, David Benner's passing. And for those that um, uh, were listening yesterday, I, I you know, I, and I, I told JMV and, and uh, Jake Query, who both spoke very eloquently, uh, JMV yesterday afternoon, Jake Query this morning, very eloquently and at length about David. And um, uh, yesterday, I could only go about uh, 30 to 45 seconds because I'm the kind that gets really emotional in those situations and, and, and uh, frankly was afraid I would break down on the air. Um, but I know that David meant a lot to you and personally, not just uh, on the professional side, but uh, if you could share a little bit about uh, your relationship with David and, and uh, the loss that we all feel with uh, his passing yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough one. I, I you know, unfortunately, we all knew that it was close. Um, you know, we had 
uh, you know, I talked to Mark Boyle and, and Chrissy Myers, who are especially close to him. I mean, you know, Mark and David were like long lost brothers and, and Chrissy, you know, started as an intern 20 plus years ago. So she'd been around, you know, David for a long time. And, you know, they, he had gotten to the point in the hospice where it was family only. And so, you, you, you know, you knew that the time was close. I mean, you know, I met David, that's probably, you know, it seems like 40 years ago when uh, he worked for the Indianapolis Star. And then all those years that I did college basketball at Butler, you know, I, I would run into him. He was the beat writer for IU basketball and he did Notre Dame football. And, you know, then he went to the Pacers. And, um, you know, the, the the thing that I said about David, when I got the Pacers job in 04, um, he was so accommodating and, and he treated me. I had never done an NBA game, you know, before I got the job. I had done one um, radio game uh, with Slick in 2000 um, uh, when I got the fever job. So I'd, I'd never done an NBA game on TV until I got the Pacers job in 04. And, you know, you would have thought that I was a longtime broadcaster in the NBA the way David treated me. And uh, I always look at that fondly. And, you know, you just when, – when you're on the road with people, and you know this, Vince, you know, from all your travels is – you know, you build relationships with people. And, um, you know, a lot of times, um, and, and Rick Carlisle and, and the, the players said this yesterday, you know, David had an unbelievable relationship with Reggie Miller. And then of the current Pacers, if you go back, think about George Hill is back, you know, and, and George and David, you know, had a relationship. And, and George mentioned yesterday um, in an interview, he said, look, you know, we spend more time around our teammates and the staff that we travel with sometimes than our families. And so you really get to know somebody. And, uh, you know, there's no question that, uh, you know, the Benner family and, you know, I, I've, my heart breaks for Brother Bill and, and, and his wife, Jane. Um, you know, they've meant so much to the Indianapolis community, the, the state. And, and, and David was such a great representative of our franchise. And, uh, you know, he he will uh, truly be missed. Well said. Thank you, Chris. Um, best of luck tonight on the uh, game. Uh, and thanks for uh, taking a little bit of time to talk Pacers hoops with us. So looking forward to it. Hopefully you get a third straight win on the road. Be a great way to start that road trip with three in a row. It will. And I do want to say one thing to you, Vince. Uh, I want to congratulate you having the opportunity to work with your son, Dylan. I saw that press release that you guys will be in the same booth and I know for me, and, and you remember this, we talked about this a few weeks ago, I did high school basketball games with my dad, and that was some of the most special memories that I'll ever have in broadcasting. So I can't wait to uh, hear and watch you and Dylan work together. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate that, bud. Yeah, All thanks. right, thanks, Vince. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We got Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts here on the fan. Matt, um, combine numbers for you. What are we looking at here? Bench press 40, just ballpark it for us. What do you think you'd do? Yeah, I think I think my, my exit time out of the combine to my car was a good three and a half minutes. Uh, I think, you know, my, my, my bench curl with sandwich to the face today <laughs> was about, you know, four, four and a half bites per sandwich, I think. So, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm upper quartile, if you will. I'm upper echelon in terms of the testing and among the media today. Yeah, not quite, yeah, not, quite not quite mid-season form, but that's pretty good numbers for uh, preseason <laughs> combine time. That's well right. Done. That's right. Mid, Mid-February, I think those are things you can build on right there. Uh, Matt, obviously today is mostly about – Chris Ballard's comments yesterday about the Colts having the number four overall pick and he really downplayed it he a lot of people are saying smoke screen in terms of hey we might be okay just sitting here at at fourth overall what were your impressions of what Ballard had to say yesterday and not just your own reaction but the the general public's reaction to that here in Indy yeah I mean you know I I think that's you know what things you say I mean that Really wasn't expecting much more than that, to be honest with you. So personally, I didn't really, uh, you know, freak out over those comments or, or overreact to them because, you know, it's it's early March. You know, what, what, what's he supposed to say in terms of, you know, is he just supposed to come out and say, yeah, I'm all in on number one, whatever it takes to get there, and, <laughs> and, and we'll do it, and you know, we'll, we'll mortgage the next five years in order to I mean. No, he's not going to come out and say that. So he's going to, you know, play those cards close to the vest. I mean, that that's just Chris Ballard in general, but. Any GM in that uh, specific situation would would have probably handled it in a similar fashion. So no, I mean, really didn't take too much into that. And you know, and and I also too, you know, I I think he's he's right to a certain degree. Like I, I think it's beauty in the eye of the beholder on all of these quarterbacks, and it just kind of depends on what you covet and the traits that you prioritize more more than than other things but um you know it's fascinating to hear you know chris ballard and shane steichen both talk about you know there's not the perfect prospects in in this draft right there's not the andrew luck or the trevor lawrence or if you go back way even before that right like the john elways or the dan marinos um so they all have a little bit of a red flag or things that give you pause a little bit that make you want to continue to vet and go through this process but more than anything else, it's just we want the guy that's got just this relentless passion for football. This has to be the guy, if we make this decision, especially if they go from four to one, it's got to be a guy that's convicted for his love of the game, his passion for it, relentlessness to get better, to learn, and to grow. That's going to be great for our locker room. That's going to elevate the rest of the huddle when he's out there on offense. So like that more so than anything is what they're looking for. And then, 
you know, I, I think all of those guys have that to a degree, but I think that's what this week at the Combine is all about, is trying to figure out to what degree do those guys have that that kind of matches up with the traits they want with the Shane Steichen offense. Matt, well, you've got the three of the four, the top four are going to throw, and, and Bryce Young's not. But in the interview process, they all will interview. What do you want to know? What would you want to know from from those four? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about. Like, I want to know their mental character. I want to know their mental makeup. And, yeah, I, I probably, if I'm in there, and you know, which I'm not, but if I'm in there, if I'm the GM or the coach or high up in the personnel staff, I want to throw some things at them and talk about, like, their football acumen, draw up some plays or show them some film. Like, what are you thinking here? What would you do in this situation? Or, you know, pop on some tape from last year of their own tape. Like, what were you thinking here? Why did you go there with the football? And and kind of break down, like, their mental processing ability, if you will. Um, but then I would probably save some time to just get to know them. And it's 15 minutes, and some of that, I'm not saying you can, like, lie your way through that. Um, but it's only 15 minutes, but you want to get a, a feel for how a guy looks you in the face. Is he real? Is he genuine? Does he really seemingly like being there? Does he really Is he really intense about his, again, love and passion for the game? Now, it's 15 minutes. You can't cram, cram all of that into that short amount of time, but that's when the top 30 visits, that's what those are for, that's what the pro days are for, and visiting with this guy one-on-one off to the side. I mean, I was just talking to a guy, um, you know, Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. We just had him on here at the Combine, and he's a former scout, right? He's a former executive in the NFL. And I asked him, like, with this magnitude of a decision, like if you're the Colts sitting in the top five, hopefully they're not going to be in this position for a very long time. So if you're if you're here, you really kind of have to make it work. You got you got to really capitalize on this opportunity. So with this magnitude of a pick, like how how deep do you go? How far back do you go just to get intel and you know the the total package on these players? He's like, oh, I was I was calling guys little league coaches. You know, I was calling guys as you know the 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 high school that he went to and. You know his homeroom teacher, and we were you know calling the uh, you know the cafeteria ladies to see how he interacted you know amongst his peers and you know what they were kind of really like when their guard was down. So like that's how deep this goes. That's how important this is, and that's how much you know vetting um, goes into bringing in potentially a franchise quarterback with a top five pick. He's Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us here on the Fan. It's a very geeky question, Matt. Now I was just. Asking the question to myself, I don't know how I would answer it yet. I'm curious what you would say. The percentage chance, what do you think it is that the Colts stay at number four? What do you think the percentage chance is that the Colts trade up to number one overall? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, none. I mean, I, it, it's, I mean, I know we're, it's, it's draft season and it's March 2nd or whatever it is. We still have you know, six, seven weeks before we get to the draft. I mean, that that's an eternity, right? We still have all the pro days and, um, you know, guys are going to work out later this week and guys are going to check in with the height and the measurables and, and all of that. So, I mean, all of that is such a big uh, – they're, they're, they're puzzle pieces to this big picture. And so I think it's just impossible to, to answer that question. Um, and really the only person that knows the answer to that is, is Chris Ballard, who's pulling the trigger – on a potential trade like that. But, I, I, again, I think it's eye in the beholder of all of these quarterbacks. I mean, 
there's, I mean, we've talked to a million different uh, draft analysts and, and, you know, former scouts and things like that, media types here at the Combine. You know, shameless plug, plug for the uh, Colts Audio Network. We're going to have all of that coming out in the next couple of, of days here. Um, but it, it truly is. Like, you, you talk to one guy about Will Richardson, or excuse me, Anthony Richardson, and they say, yeah, the sample size just isn't there for me, wouldn't touch him, you know, the accuracy – uh, just isn't where it needs to be. You know, he had a lot of flash plays, but then there's times you watch him on film and, like, it's just hard to watch. You know, it's just brutal. But then there's other people who are like, Anthony Richardson, he's my quarterback. If I'm in the top mm-hmm. five, I got to get this guy. He's a lottery pick. You know, there's nobody coming out in the draft like him. There's nobody in the draft in the in the draft next year like him. Like, I'm sold. Let's do it. So, I mean, it's just impossible, really, to, to gauge this. I mean, the, the draft is so subjective. And it really depends on who you are and what you're prioritizing. So um, that's why we watch. That's why we will continue to speculate. And that's why I think for a lot of people, this time of year is, is more interesting. You know, we, we get to free agency. We get to around draft time. Like more people are interested in the business of football and the roster construction of football than they are, you know, uh, more so involved in the in the wins and losses like in October and November because it's it's fascinating. Everybody thinks they can do it. Everybody thinks that, you know, if you, if you have a YouTube account, you can see highlights and then you can form your own opinions on players. So we all kind of put our GM hats on this time of year, and we think we got it all figured out. And obviously, you know, we don't. And that's why these guys are are in it for as long as they are. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You mentioned roster construction. That leads me really right to the next point. Um, the deadline or the opportunity to uh, cut some salaries is coming up. Um, Matt Ryan is guaranteed $15 million on March 17th. We would anticipate that, that he's going to be released because they're going to, so they're going to save that money. Uh, other quarterbacks, Nick Foles, at a relatively cheap price but hasn't really shown anything. Do they keep him around? What do they do with Ellinger? What, let's presume that they're going to take one of those quarterbacks uh, with the fourth pick or above. They're, so they're going to have a young quarterback. What does the rest of the quarterback room look like for the Colts next season? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, it would be we all read between the lines and we're, we're using context for anything to project what's going to happen in a bigger picture later on. So, I mean, yeah, in a couple of weeks, if the Colts do make a quarterback move, let's say they do release Matt Ryan or Nick Foles or both guys, you know, closer to the time of free agency, the context around that would be, okay, well, they're, they're projecting or leaning towards drafting a quarterback. You would understand that. But, um, you know, Nick Foles at the end of the season, he was on record saying, you know, I signed a two-year deal last year being the first of that contract to, to come in and reunite and sort of and play and, and, and be under the guidance again of Frank Reich. Well, obviously, 
you know, that's no longer the case. So it's fair to wonder about his future. Same thing with Matt Ryan, you know, like he's going to be 38 years old. And like you said, a huge, uh, you know, cap number. Um, If the Colts do release him, they would save some money in the salary cap space, which is big because right now they're not as nearly as flush with, with cap space uh, money than they, as they have been in the past. Um, So that'll factor in, you know, with their ability to be able to go out and be aggressive and sign, uh, you know, either in-house free agents, which they have 17 in-house either restricted or unrestricted free agents or guys that are going to hit the open market here in a couple of weeks. So that'll all factor into it as well. But I think it's safe to say that, again, on March 2nd, that Sam Ellinger will be a part of that quarterback room. And then, again, we'll we'll have to wait and see, you know, what the rest of that uh, room looks like. Might it be another veteran quarterback that's not on the roster right now that they plug in in free agency and, you know, I think the marquee piece of that is whether or not it's, it's a, uh, a rookie quarterback that they draft high in the, uh, in the first round. I was thinking about this today, too, Matt, where obviously the conversation is about who the Colts are going to get at quarterback, right? But if you flip that around and think about who the Texans get, if you could pick of the top prospects who the Texans got, knowing that the Colts would have to face that guy for the next handful of years – do you have a guy in mind? Do you have a choice that you would choose to say, all right, the Texans get this guy instead of just looking at who the Colts are going to get? Well, I think that's that's what makes it so fascinating. I mean, it's one thing to be potentially haunted. Like if, if you're a general manager and you're in the, the position that the Colts are in, it's one thing to be potentially haunted by like a draft miss or, um, you know, your evaluation's wrong, and then, you know, that, that might set you back for years to come, right? So that, that's one layer of it. The second layer of it is, is is taking the risk of someone else moving up in front of you and taking the guy that you really like, and also, too, that guy going to a division rival, having to play the guy that you really like, that you really wanted, and having him go to the Houston Texans in this case and playing him for the next decade twice a year and him directly kind of standing in your way of winning you know, AFC South championships and, and going to the playoffs and, and those types of things. So uh, there's, there's a lot of different layers to it. But, yeah, to me, I mean, again, I, I think it, it just it depends on who you talk to. Again, I've talked to a million guys down here, and they say, you know, Bryce Young, his size doesn't matter. He played at Alabama. He started in the SEC. He's beaten LSU. You know, he's 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 making off platform, off schedule throws, and uh, you know, even the times that he did get hurt, it wasn't because he was getting thrown around and landing awkwardly because of his size and his, his stature. So I'm good with it. And there's people that say the exact opposite. I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole because he's he's not durable and all this thing. So I mean, honestly, like I, I think. This is so fascinating because there there are no slam dunks. There are no Andrew Lux here, and it just kind of boils down to what you're comfortable with and, and what you kind of want, you know, between the ears of your quarterback. And I think that's what Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard are really here to, to prioritize and figure out who's the guy that has the best mental acumen that can process as fast as possible. Everything else we'll figure out, we'll grow, we'll develop in terms of the physical traits. Visiting with Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. And Matt, you mentioned earlier about uh, potential savings uh, in, in off the Matt Ryan contract and, and signing free agents and taking care of some of your own, et cetera, the number of Colts uh, unrestricted free agents. Who's the guy on that list that, in your opinion, the Colts will 100% bring back? 
Yeah, I'm just speaking for myself. If, yeah, if, yeah. if I'm going to make a list of the, the top unrestricted free agents for me, I think it would be kind of a competition between Unique Ngakwe and Paris Campbell. But with the prospects of having a young quarterback, I, I would probably, if it, if there was a debate there and it hypothetically came down to one or the other, I would personally prioritize Paris Campbell the most because I want to stack the deck for my young quarterback if the Colts decide to go that route as, as best as possible, give him as many weapons as as I can to help him settle in and grow and kind of take the pressure off of him, knowing he's going to have a lot to deal with from a marketing standpoint off the field and then obviously everything that goes with, with playing quarterback on the field. I thought Paris Campbell last year kind of proved that the, the stigma should be off of him in terms of being able to stay healthy. He played 17 games last year, which was more games combined than he played the first three years of his NFL season with all the different injuries. He played only 15 games his first three years. Um, you know, had over 600 receiving yards last year. I believe he had three touchdowns. I thought he would have had an even better year, to be honest with you, had the Colts had the Colts had you know more quarterback stability around him. So I, I think the, the book is still kind of out on Paris Campbell in terms of his potential and and what he can be. I think we're just now kind of scratching the surface on him and and what we know about him and all that he can be. So I would actually really kind of prioritize him and take a flyer on him if it makes sense financially and bring him back because I think. There's a lot more he can offer as a player if you've got, you know, again, stability pieces around him on offense and, two to just help potentially a young rookie quarterback settle in and grow and have another reliable weapon to throw the football to. Yeah, I agree as, as well. And, and as you said, uh, you know, if it makes sense financially, and that's always the key at, the, at this point, but even more impressive than his numbers, I thought the biggest question he answered last year was just the fact that he stayed healthy. Right. So, right. Uh, Matt, good stuff. Great insight. Appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, and uh, we'll uh, do it again soon. You got it, guys. My pleasure. Appreciate you. Yeah, that's Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts.